the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed, and a good morning to you. Thank you so very much for joining us as we get started at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on the very first morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord, 2020. You know, in a normal year, uh, we would have a little fun today, maybe play a little bit of a joke and have a little bit of a prank and do the April Fool's thing that people do. But um, at this point in time, I just feel like that would be inappropriate, and we're not going to do any of that today because, uh, well... Um, where our survival is is in question right now. Our survival economically, which leads to our survival as people and survival as a country. I don't want to overstate, but I don't want to understate what I mean when I say that. Um, the no, the news we got yesterday from the coronavirus, White House Coronavirus Task Force is very sobering. Um, one could listen to that and think we mean literally survival as you know as as human beings. It's not as dramatic as that, but the numbers were very sobering and were very disturbing to hear that if we do nothing or if we had done nothing, we are told by Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci and their colleagues at the CDC and the others working on the coronavirus task force headed up by Vice President Pence, we would see between 1 million and 2.5 million deaths, not worldwide, But in the United States alone, this is what we were told yesterday. If we do do what we are, you know, if we continue to do what we are doing, let's phrase it that way, in terms of the social distancing, the gatherings uh, being minimized, et cetera, et cetera, businesses being closed, uh, no places for people to assemble in large crowds, then the best case scenario we were told yesterday is that anywhere between one hundred and two hundred thousand people, maybe more than two hundred thousand people, will die. Now that's that's a game changer in and of itself. 
Whether we can believe that or not, I guess, is a matter of perspective. What is your view of the White House Coronavirus Response Task Force? How do you feel about President Trump? How much do you trust him with Mike Pence? How much do you trust their trust of Dr. Burks? How much of their trust do you, uh, or how much uh, should they trust, and how much do you trust their faith in uh, Dr. Fauci and the rest of the team? There is a perspective here that needs to be uh, needs to be examined. From my point of view, I do not believe that Donald Trump, the President of the United States, would allow himself to be led willy-nilly down a path with such gruesome uh, death rates, not death rates, but death totals, uh, being advanced by his White House uh, team, his coronavirus response team. I don't think he would go willy-nilly into this and say, well, whatever they say is fine. I think that if he went to the podium yesterday, which he did, and announced this, that it's going to be a very brutal couple of weeks in which you know tens of thousands of people are going to die, as they named by date the date that the virus would peak in terms of its uh, deadliness, its mortality in various cities around the country, which is really fascinating, the models. I, I don't think the president would go so willy-nilly into this if he didn't think it was true. And it increases my belief or my desire, my um, uh, my goal, I guess, of, of people taking this seriously. As I've been on the air for the past few weeks discussing this, I have tried to walk a very fine line between quelling the hysteria and taking the threat seriously. I don't think people should be hysterical. I don't pe- think people should be panicking. And as I've said for many days now, really the last few weeks, um, I don't necessarily think this is as bad as they think they say it's going to be. But on the flip side, I've said I am not going to entertain the belief that many people have on the extreme side of this is all nothing, this is governmental control, and this is uh, just an attempt to uh, grow government and 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 minimize and and you know kind of uh, marginalize, if you will, uh, the liberties of the American people. I I I want to walk that line in between because I don't think and I haven't thought that it was as serious as they said, but I think it's a lot more serious than some people realize. Well, yesterday was that proverbial game changer. When the president's coronavirus response task force tells us, and when the president tells us that best case, if we keep doing the social distancing, stay-at-home, shelter-in-place type of um, guidelines, that still a hundred to 200,000 Americans are going to die, that's a very, very disturbing thought, to be 100% honest with you. It makes me believe a lot more sincerely that the threat from the virus is stronger than perhaps even the coronavirus task force realized. Now, let me let me try to break that down a little bit. I don't want to usually I don't usually get into too many of the nuts and bolts in the opening monologue. I just kind of want to set the table for you for what we're going to do today. But I do want to kind of point out why this is so troubling. The same people who were at the podium yesterday telling us, even if we do everything right, 
even if everybody stays home, even if everybody practices the six-foot rule and does all of the hand-washing and, you know, takes all of the other precautions when coughing and sneezing, doing it, doing it into your elbow and making sure that germs don't spread, et cetera, et cetera, that even if we do everything right, we are told, that one to 200,000 Americans are going to be dead. Um, the reason this is troubling is because what we were told just, what, four or five days prior. Four or five days prior to that, a very important article was written in the very influential New England um, uh, Medical Journal, the New England Journal of Medicine. And this article, which was written this past Friday, was written in part by Dr. Anthony Fauci, the pre- one of the president's top medical advisors on the White House Coronavirus Task Force, right? Written by Dr. Fauci, as well as Dr. H. Clifford Lane and Dr. Robert Redfield. And it was entitled, COVID-19 Navigating the Uncharted. Dr. Fauci, of course, has been director of the United States National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases since 1984 which means he advised President Reagan. He advised President Bush. He advised President Clinton. He's been there for all of them, Republicans and Democrats. He is generally not regarded as a partisan in any way. He's just an infectious disease specialist. All right? The leading expert on infectious diseases, widely regarded in the community. So when he writes this, it carries some weight. And here is what Dr. Fauci wrote in the New England um, Journal of Medicine, very prestigious in the medical community, as of this past Friday. On the basis of a case definition requiring a diagnosis of pneumonia, the current reported case fatality rate is approximately 2%. In another article in the journal, Guan et al. report mortality of 1.4% among 1,099 patients with laboratory-confirmed COVID-19. These patients had a wide spectrum of disease severity. If one assumes that the number of asymptomatic or minimally symptomatic cases is several times as high as the number of reported cases, the case fatality rate may be considerably less than 1%. This suggests that the overall clinical consequences of COVID-19 may ultimately be more akin to those of a severe seasonal influenza which has a case fatality rate case fatality rate of approximately 0.1% or of a pandemic influenza similar to those in 1957 and 1968 rather than a disease similar to SARS or MERS which have had case fatality rates of 9 to 10% and 36% respectively so i'll i'll break that down just a tiny bit As of this past Friday, Dr. Fauci, writing in the New England Journal of Medicine, along with two colleagues, said that the COVID-19 we're all in a state of panic and shutdown over, quote, may ultimately be more akin to those of a severe seasonal influenza. Okay? So Friday, he's calling the Chinese coronavirus, no worse than the seasonal flu. By Monday and yesterday, he's calling it the killer of 200 
or excuse me, 100 to 200,000 people if we do everything right. And if we don't, one to two and a half million people. How can the same medical experts on Friday call the COVID-19 virus no more severe than the flu, and then by Monday or Tuesday, or Monday and Tuesday, say one to two million people are going to die if we don't change our behavior, or, or at least continue and improve our behavior with respect to the social distancing guidelines. So this is the conundrum that we find ourselves in. We find ourselves wondering how much faith can we and should we have in the members of the task force who are so wildly divergent on their opinions two, three, and four days apart? I don't know the answer. I just have to ask the question. But I also have to say that, again, Vice President Pence, a man that I trust, who works with President Trump, a man that I trust, selected Dr. Deborah Burks to be his, quote, right hand. Okay? Dr. Fauci, as pointed out, started working in his position under Ronald Reagan and has done so through every president since. Hardly considered to be a partisan who's looking to harm the economy, harm President Trump, by overstating or over-exaggerating the, the new data, if you will, about what peaks may be coming and what death tolls may be arriving with them. And so, since we have divergent numbers being put, put forth, part of me wants to say, you know what, it looks like they're guessing. In fact, I said that on social media yesterday. They're guessing. One day it's the flu. No worse. Next day it's one to two million people are going to die. Unless we do these, follow these guidelines, and then, and then in that case, still 100 to 200,000 people are going to die, or 240,000, I think, was the other number. I don't know what to make of that. I really don't. I, I find it very difficult to believe that the numbers and the model could have changed that much in 72 hours, but apparently it has. And now we have two doctors working under the leadership and guidance of President Trump, and Vice President Pence, along with a host of others on the Coronavirus Task Force. I had uh, a member of that task force on the air last week. Uh, you hear on a routine basis the Surgeon General, Dr. Adams, on the routine, uh, uh, again, he, he has been appointed by the President of the United States, and they are all singing virtually the same tune. And that is that we have to settle in for the next two weeks, maybe even more so than we have for the last two weeks, the 15-day flatten-the-curve cycle, we were told. We have to do it more and better for at least the next two weeks, and then maybe beyond, considering some of the peak days identified by the models presented yesterday are not until late April. So we've got a very different, we've got a very different um, view of this today. How different is a matter of perspective, as I said at the very beginning? Do you, from your perspective, trust the leadership that President Trump and Vice President Pence have appointed to respond to this virus, the White House Coronavirus Response Task Force? Do you trust them? If that's your perspective, settle in, because we're in some serious trouble. 
Get used to being quarantined. Get used to being sheltered in place because this is very serious. That's what they're telling you. If you do not trust President Trump to pick the right people, if you do not trust Mike Pence to pick the right people to make these projections, well, then you're going to just be upset, and we're going to continue to complain about how the economy is being stifled by unreasonable stay-in-place orders. I can't tell you how to feel. I'm giving you all of the information as we have it. I'm giving you both sides of the information. I'm giving you the old information from Friday, the new information from yesterday and today. I'm giving you everything we can. How you respond to it is up to you. 216-901-0945, Those are the phone numbers to join me. I want to hear how you respond to it coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 927, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Just so much new. Each day brings more um, almost impossible to digest information uh, because it's changing on the fly. That's what's so frustrating about it. It would be really, really uh, easy, uh, much easier, let's phrase it that way. It would be much easier if the the numbers and the... the um, prognostications and the models were consistent and if from the beginning they have said this is how many people are going to be impacted this is how many people are going to be infected this is how many people are going to be hospitalized this is how many people are going to die if they were just consistent we could say wow this is this is something we really need to do this is something we really need to follow etc cetera, etc cetera. but the fact that they have gone up and down and it's been a roller coaster ride for us as they try to project you know, and even even in the New England Journal of Medicine that I quoted before, Doctor Fauci's article from just uh, this at the end of last week, the headline, the title of their of their article was um, "Uncharted Water," because they haven't been through this before, and I get that. It's all brand new, and that's I'm sorry, not uncharted water. I'm going to be very precise. The title was "COVID nineteen navigating the uncharted," so similar point. Um, but they just don't know, and because they don't know, and we don't know, it makes all. And the numbers then have been so incredibly varied, and spiking, and dipping, and flattening, and rising, and and projections are all over the board. We just don't know what to believe, and that's hard. That's hard for all of us, and we have to try to navigate the uncharted ourselves. Dan is in Middleburg Heights on AM fourteen twenty. The answer wants to get in before the bottom of the hour, and let's do that. Go ahead, Dan. Okay, thanks a lot. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that article. Mm-hmm. I don't believe for a second, and I second that you know these these figures that these doctors these are sometimes i think you you uh um you respect them too much these are unelected far left bureaucrats that aren't involved with people of every day like you and i they're not looking at the the economy and how, the damage how, how do you know doing. though dan dan if i may how do you how do you well, know they're far left a- bureaucrats amy acton is wor- amy, amy acton's not calling the shots i'm not talking about her i'm talking about what we heard from the federal government yesterday the white yeah, but house i'm scene. talking about ohio bob but you, i'm not you, i'm talking the whole the whole monologue was about what we heard from the president yesterday and his doctors okay. uh, from that team that's they're, the whole monologue so that's what i want you to respond to okay well i will respond to it the, whether it's on the state level the Amy Actons or or, or uh, Doctor Fauci, they're they're dealing with these people. They're dealing with models just like uh, global warming people, and and they're all over the place. The article you just quoted, 
then mm-hmm. uh, one day it's two and a half million, then it goes to a hundred to two hundred thousand uh, yesterday, and they're always quoting models. When you're dealing with models, they can pay people to assume anything to come out with anything they want it to be. And this okay, is now you're on now on you're onto on a great top. point. Now you're onto a great point. As a matter of fact, I'm going to let. Thank you, Dan, for that because okay. I'm going to let. I'm going right. to follow up okay. on that later in the program after the interview we have coming up. Because there's an article. Thanks for the call, Dan. Uh, there's there there's uh, an article, uh, or excuse me, yeah, there was an article that I want to share with you um, about exactly that. That the predictions of the COVID nineteen, the Wuhan coronavirus, those models follow some of the same models that were used in projecting climate change that was going to have us underwater by now. Um, there's, it's a great point you just made. Now, that is something from the science aspect of it that we can definitely sink our teeth into, and I will. Thanks for that call. Uh, but we're going to talk with uh, Jake Novak coming up next, uh, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 936, as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer, thanks again for joining us. We'll come back to the question about the models that were used to come up with yesterday's projections uh, in a bit. Uh, those models, of course, projecting that if we had done nothing and if we do nothing, uh, one to two and a half million people are going to die in the United States alone. If we do continue the policies of shelter-in-place and social distancing, etc., that we can knock that number down to best-case scenario, one to 200,000 dead Americans. Uh, are those models accurate? We'll come back to that. But now let's talk about what is going to happen to this economy. Uh, obviously terrible news yesterday when we got that uh, information from President Trump and from the White House uh, Coronavirus Task Force. Uh, this is uh, this is an amazing thing. We are already seeing jobs being hemorrhaged. Uh, millions of people have been laid off. Businesses are closing. Many of them are not going to be able to reopen. Reopen. Uh, they're going to go underwater and not be able to be saved. Uh, this is stock markets are all over the place. We don't know whether they're uh, they're going to rise or fall day to day, depending on what the news is. So what happened yesterday cannot be good for the economy in the future. The question is: is did Congress do enough to help save the economy? $2 trillion is the largest individual stimulus bill in the history of this country. Will it be enough to save the economy for an extended period of time? Joining us now to analyze is former Trump economic advisor Steve Moore on AM 1420, The Answer. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for the time this morning. Good to talk to you again. How are you? Hi, good morning. So yesterday, as I said, you know, a lot of people, I think, going back to the end of last week when President Trump said, hey, we're going to need to go another 30 days here. Uh, We talked about a 15-day flattening of the curve before we can start putting people back to work. He had an aspirational goal of trying to get some businesses open by Easter. He uh, surrendered that and said 30 more days um, in order to flatten this thing, and then we can get back to work. Now we hear this news yesterday about the just startling number of people who could be killed if we don't keep everything closed up. How much more of a challenge is that going to be for the economy to rebound whenever the doors open up again, Steve? Well, that's a great question. And look, uh, um, I'm an economist. I'm not a health official, but I I will tell you that the idea of going anywhere past April 30th, another month of shutdown, will be, in my opinion, catastrophic for our economy. You're talking about millions of business failures. You're talking about an unemployment uh, rate of 20, 25%. You know, we were at 3.5%. Um, a month ago, you're talking about um, uh, as many as 30, 40 million Americans unemployed. 
We've never seen anything like this before in our country. So um, I, I think it's we have to really start thinking about, you know, the risks uh, and the benefits of getting our economy reopened. We have to be extremely attentive to all the best medical information. But uh, I'm here to tell you, I mean, if we go much past April 30th, uh, we're not going to have a much of an economy to reopen when this is done. So uh, I, I, I'm obviously on the side of starting to take very prudent measures to starting getting um, areas of the country reopened and uh, industries that we are so dependent on reopen because uh, the carnage that we're talking about will be so significant it will take, you know, two, three years to recover from. As you said, Steve, you're uh, you're an economist, not a doctor. I'm neither, uh, and I'm trying to figure this out. I agree with you, however, that if this goes much past another month, um, we are going to be in very serious trouble, in serious jeopardy of ever getting uh, getting things back to uh, some semblance. Well, of let normal. me give you just one the, little rule of thumb. It's, it's a right. rule of thumb. It's maybe even an accurate by twenty or thirty percent, one way or the other. But we do know that every percentage point increase in unemployment. Uh, is associated with about a 10,000 increased deaths every year because people die of stress, they die of heart attacks, they have suicide, they die of, uh, you know, people have drug overdoses. I mean, there's a lot of health problems associated with unemployment. Mm-hmm. So let's say that we go from a 3% unemployment rate to a 23% unemployment rate, which is very plausible. I hope that's wrong, but it could happen. I've heard higher. Yeah, you've heard even harder than that. So let's say it goes up by 20 percentage points. Well, that is associated with 200,000 additional deaths right there. So we have to even ask the question of whether this is saving lives by keeping our economy shut shut down and locked down like this. I had a long conversation with Fred Smith of FedEx. Uh, He's obviously one of the biggest employers in the world. He has, I think, 25,000, 325,000 employees in the United States. They are uh, on the job because they're deemed an essential industry. I asked him, how many of your uh, employees have gotten sick? He said less than 400. Now, if my, I'm not too good at math, but that's a one, uh, that's a one out of a thousand people are getting sick. So I would tell you that, um, you know, you can, what he is showing is through, you know, using the best safeguards, use the best screening, the best tests that are available, the best uh, disinfectants, gloves, uh, you know, masks. He can get his employees back on the job and not put them at great risk. We can do that throughout the economy and not have to shut things down. And by the way, I want to be loud and clear about this. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it doesn't matter. You asked me about these aid programs. It doesn't matter how much money the federal government uh, sends out grants. They could send, they could send another $5 trillion. It doesn't matter how much they send out in checks. And it doesn't matter how much money the Federal Reserve prints. It could be they're already $4 trillion. They could do another $2 trillion. It's not going to matter. If the economy isn't producing anything, there's nothing for us to consume. The economic equation starts with production of goods and services. And if you shut that down, you're shutting down an economic engine that is $20 trillion, that is the envy of the world. And it's not like you can flick the ignition switch and we go from off to on. The, the, uh, the, the, uh, it's going to take a long, long, long time to recover from this, and every day that goes by, it gets worse. We are talking to former President Trump economic advisor Steve Moore about the uh, the latest news that we're going to have at least another 30 days of shuttered businesses, and uh, that means another 30 days of more people being laid off and what that's going to do. So 
this phase three, if you will, of what they're calling relief, uh, you know, was the two trillion dollar bill. You just kind of pointed out it's not going to have it be much more than a band aid. They are talking about another one. Of course, the liberal yep. liberals are talking about using another one to advance their you know Green New Deal agenda and these sorts of things. Um, do you do you think there will be another round of relief? And do yes. you think that? And do you think that that will be enough? Again, if we come back to work, let's say in an incremental fashion, starting May first. Steve, do you think that will be enough to save uh, save us from the most dire predictions that you just offered up? What do I think? What will uh, if the they have a, if they have a phase four, another round of relief? Oh, and first, right. we haven't even gotten the one. You know, yeah. we're, we're two, right, three right. weeks away yeah. from phase three. Yeah. But but if they give uh, businesses more loans and they give more relief to American uh, consumers and so on and so forth, uh, uh, and they do a phase four, and we go back to work starting incrementally in a month, the way the president has talked about, will that be enough to stave off the very worst predictions? Yeah. Well, first of all, let's be very clear about let's because there's a lot of facets to that question. First yeah. of all, the two trillion dollar bill that we passed last week. Mm-hmm. Stop. I'm not talking to you, but the media in general and people and politicians stop calling that a stimulus bill. It doesn't stimulate anything. It doesn't stimulate the economy for the government to you know stuff hundred dollar bills in the helicopter and dump, jump them over you know, cities. I mean. That's not how Milton Friedman taught us. There ain't no such thing as a free lunch, right? But if the government uh, gives you $100, it has to take $100 from me to give it to you, right? I mean, this is just pure, you know, basic economics. So it doesn't stimulate. It, it provides aid. It's an aid bill. It provides people with some temporary assistance so they can get over this hump so that when we get the economy, you know, up and running again, we don't have billions of businesses that are um, – shut down and millions of foreclosures on mortgages and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next phase of this needs to be about production. How do we get the economy up and running again? Not more aid, you know, the, the Democrats want more aid to save state cities, more Medicaid programs and things. No, we need a program that will help the American people get back to work and businesses up and running again. That is why what I support and our Laffer supports and Steve Forbes supports and I think most, you know, free market economists is suspend the payroll tax for the rest of the year, give every employee in America a 7.5% pay raise for going back to work, and every employer in America a 7.5% reduction in their payroll costs. That will encourage more hiring and encourage more work. And that's the kind of thing that will work. And I know there's a lot Except that it would never get passed. It would never get passed a Democrat-controlled house. Well, look, I mean, you've got to play with the hand that you're dealt. But Trump, we should be you know, shouting from the rafters that that's what we need to do to get the economy. And if she wants to block that, if she wants to block a tax cut to 165 million workers, let her, let her. I mean, we know what Nancy Pelosi is doing. She's trying. She, we saw what happened with the everybody watched right with this with this last bill that passed. She wanted to put money for the you know the National Endowment for the Arts for Planned Parenthood for it doesn't even matter what your position is in abortion and what the hell does that have to do with a stimulus bill for the economy? So we've got to get uh, you know good policies in place so that we have what's called a V-shaped recovery. In other words, we're going to fall steeply for the next four months, three or four months. Then we want to boom out of this by the summer. So we have a strong recovery going into the fall and going into 2021. And we don't want what we had under Obama, which was, remember, we had the steep fall, and then we had what's called an L-shaped recovery. We had a really, really anemic recovery. Given how much we've, we've fallen this time, 
we can't afford to have an L-shaped recovery. You're talking about, you know, a Great Depression scenario. So, I, I look, I think we can get, if we get the economy started up again on May 1st, and if we have the right set of incentive policies to get businesses up and running, yeah, I think by, you know, mid to late summer, we can be up and running again. Remember, four, it's like, it seems like 100 years ago, four weeks ago, we had the best economy in the history of the country, <laughs> practically. Yeah, yeah, lowest I mean, unemployment rate since uh, in, yeah. in 50 years, uh, lowest for certain demographics all time. You're, you're 100% right now. So let's go back to that for a moment. Now, again, you, you used to advise the president. So if you were in still, still in such a capacity, what, what would you be telling the president as he's got Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, handpicked, by the way, well, not handpicked, because Dr. Fauci's been working with every president on these issues since Reagan, but uh, Dr. Burks was handpicked by uh, Mike Pence to be his right. quote-unquote right hand. These doctors are saying we're going to have deaths in the millions if we don't do keep doing what we're doing, um, and 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 so well, you know the president's got to look at that and say how's history going to judge me if millions die on my watch because we got people back to work too soon? But history history is going to judge me for not getting people back to work quickly enough out of fear of of what the doctors are telling me. So if you were advising him right now, he seems to right now be saying, look, we'll do what the doctors recommend, which is kind of yeah. what the the feeling of the people seems to be. Do what the the doctors say; they know more than you do, Mister president what would what would steve moore say to him if you were still advising well look i i I will i'm not going to question these models i mean i have some doubts about them i mean you know but but i'm not i'm not in a position to you know to uh to uh to question these apocalyptic predictions but i what i am here to tell you is these doctors are not economists right they have no idea of what the economic carnage will be if we do if we do keep the economy shut down two or three months and I, or four. I mean, I've heard people. And I live in Virginia. Our governor has has uh, has shut down our state through you know the first second week of June. I mean, yeah, that's insane. I saw that. That's crazy. I, what have you got in Ohio? What's 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 the well right now? Right, right now they they you know uh, uh, Governor Dewine has closed the schools for the additional month that the president recommended this uh, this. Uh, um shelter-in-place orders, kind of these guidelines at the federal level. So through April 30th, as of right now, is what he has decided with the schools, which I assume so is going to coincide I mean, with businesses. I can businesses. live with April 30th, but not, yeah. not, not June. And, and but that's, so, of, I mean, that's as of now, and I don't know if Governor DeWine is going to stick to that, because Governor yeah. DeWine is being advised by Dr. Amy Acton, who seems to be a little bit of an alarmist on these things, perhaps more so than anybody at the federal level. Right, and so uh, all I'm saying, and I, look, I'm not inattentive uh, or at all unsympathetic to the to the idea of you know that people are getting very sick. I, I have three good friends. One is 26 years old, who's on a ventilator right now. So I, I know firsthand of the deadliness of this virus, and I'm not discounting that at all. All I'm saying is we have to be smart about this. Use the best public health measures to try to get our economy. And I'm not saying every area of the country should be. I mean, New York City is going to have to be in lockdown for a while, you know, a while. So is San Francisco. So is, uh, you know, uh, New Orleans. But there are other areas of the country, even in Ohio. It's one thing to say, you know, Cleveland has a problem. It's another in your rural areas to put them in lockdown. So we, we just need to be smart about this. We're smart people. We, we have to calibrate the risks and benefits. Uh, and people are going to have different opinions. I have family members who are so mad at me for saying this, but I, I'm here to tell you, I don't think the, uh, a lot of Americans have thought about because they haven't been told how bad this will be if we keep our economy in shutdown, lockdown mode. You mm-hmm. can't turn the ignition. It's just not going to come back on. It's going to take months and months and potentially years if this goes through June or July. 
Very, very sobering predictions, but I uh, fear you're you're 100. By the right. way, I'm an optimist. The... I'm a big optimist. I think <laughs> we do this right. You know, we we can be back up and running by midsummer, and by late summer, we're not even going to be talking about Corona anymore. Uh, but we got to make smart, calibrated decisions to take the best public health, but also the best economic information. And I got to tell you, millions and millions and millions of Americans are just itching to get back on the job. They are, you know, uh, businessmen and women are calling me every day saying, I can't take an, if, if I don't get revenues in the door in three weeks, I'm shut down. It doesn't matter how many loans the government gives. Revenues and customers are the oxygen source of a business. If they don't have revenues and, and they don't have uh, customers, they have to shut down. And, and you're talking about people's whole lives they've spent building up these businesses. How heartbreaking is that for those all, all to have to go into bankruptcy That's right. and sell their assets? because we've got the government under orders that people can't go in their stores. The next time we talk, Steve Moore, I would love to uh, get your thoughts on this. I think uh, China needs to face a global reckoning for this. They are responsible for every single bit of it, and, and we, we need to talk about that next time. Uh, former right, uh, Trump economic advisor, Steve Moore, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. You, you got it. All right, that's Steve Moore. It's 9.52, so we'll take a time out here. We'll come back. He's 100% right. But the question I asked him that he kind of diverted away from was, you know, if you're advising the president and the president's wondering, how will history judge me if I put us back to work too soon and millions die? Millions. Millions is the number that the doctors are throwing around if we don't follow the social uh, distancing guidelines and the sheltering in place guidelines. And he went right back to, well, we need to fix the economy. And he's right. Steve Moore is right. We cannot have a country if we don't have a, you know, a functioning co- economy. We cannot take care of people anyway. But that's the, that's the question that President Trump has to ask. How do you balance that? We need a co- an economy to have a country, but we need people to be alive. And we cannot just uh, sacrifice, if these doctors are right about their models, we cannot just sacrifice, sacrifice a couple million people to get the, go- the economy back to work. Uh, it's very, very difficult. I welcome your thoughts. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Okay, it is nine fifty eight. Obviously, a very short segment here. Well, that that promo for Dennis Prager didn't that just pretty much underscore it, right? Do we destroy the economy of the entire world? And, of course, we are the leader in global economy, so that means destroying our economy first. Do we destroy the entire economy of the entire world over something that, quote, might happen? And, and the question is, is, how much faith can we have in the models? How much faith can we have in the doctors? I don't know the answer. I just got a note. Um, in fact, bring. Well, we'll do this in the next half hour. Um, I just got a note that uh, some callers are saying that the article that Dr. Fauci wrote or that he co wrote that I was quoting in the first segment of the program was actually from February. And I'm looking for evidence of that because I'm looking at not just a secondary site, I'm looking at the nemj.org or nejm.org rather which is the new england journal of medicine again there's the headline covid19 navigating the uncharted and it's dated march 26th 2020 which would have been what uh 
Thursday. I think I said last Friday. It would have been last Thursday. That's the date I have on this. If I'm wrong and somebody can show me that, please do. Because based on that date, if that's accurate, and again, I'm looking right at their website, um, that means on Thursday he said that the COVID-19 virus would be no more deadly than the seasonal flu. And then on Monday or Tuesday, he's joining Dr. Burks in saying that it could kill two, uh, one to two and a half million people if we don't do anything. And if we do do the right things, it'll be a hundred to 200,000 people. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how that can change in the span of four days. Don't know the answer. And again, maybe this date is wrong. And I'm just looking at the actual website that says March 26, 2020. So I'll try to figure that out. But more importantly, I had a caller toward the end of the first hour who said, this is like, don't believe the, the health models because this is based on the same type of modeling that the climate change alarmists use. And there's an article that I read, um, actually written by my friend Patrick Wood, who uh, uh, writes for Technocracy.News and has written two books on technocracy about the common roots of climate change and COVID-19 hysteria. It's a great point the caller made, and it's one that I, I think uh, buff, butter, uh, buttressed by this article. I'm going to share some of that with you next, and then, of course, I'm going to your phone calls next at 216-901-0945, Stay right here. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 